Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Now, I'm going to tell you that I am recording this on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. I don't know what my Memorial Day is going to look like. I'm banking a few evergreens in here. So some of the numbers that I'm going to say in this podcast may not be up to date whichever day I wind up dropping this, okay? So just bear with me for a second because the general principle of what I'm going to be talking about remains true. Uh, I went to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, and I, I looked up the page for Ichiro Suzuki because he's starting to fascinate me more and more, especially because he had a really good week the other week where he had a couple of games where he got three or four hits a game and sort of gave a nice big old burst to his pursuit of 3,000 hits. Now, I'm here, I'm looking at his page here. And they have his name spelled phonetically, Ichiro Suzuki, my wife's favorite player. My wife thinks Ichiro is really cute. And Ichiro is, he is now, he's 42 years old. He's one of the last remaining players to be at least in the ballpark of my age. I'm older than him, but still. Uh, He is closer. When I'm recording this, he has 2,000. 960 hits. He needs 40 hits to get to 3,000, the magic 3,000, and also have him be in the 3,000 hit club without any qualifiers. Because he had, when he was in Japan, he got 1,278 hits. But there's a sense of, well, that was Japan, what is the level of play the same? And there would be no qualification, there would be no qualifiers of his entry into the 3,000 hit club with 40 more hits. Now, whether or not you value 3,000 hits the way, you know, the way it's the automatic bid to get into the Hall of Fame, just ask Rafael Palmero. Uh, it, it, it is a magical number. It is a great number. It's a number that you look at and you say, oh, wow, you reached this level. That's, you know, you're only 29 players in the history of baseball have reached that level. And it's super hard to do. Babe Ruth didn't. Barry Bonds didn't. Ted Williams didn't. Granted, there were obstacles in the way of those three. Babe Ruth started his career as a pitcher. Ted Williams lost a lot of his prime to fighting in World War II and being a pilot in the Korean War. Barry Bonds, nobody pitched to him. And if you added walks, you know, if you say it's more important to get on base than to just count hits, I understand that. The fact that Tim Raines didn't get to 3,000 hits has, uh, let's just say at this point, prolonged his journey to the Hall of Fame. So I get all that. I get why some people may think just getting 3,000 doesn't automatically make you uh, one of the great elites. Although when you list the players who have 3,000 hits, let's list them, shall we? Roberto Clemente, Al Kaline, Wade Boggs, Rafi Palmero, 
Loop Rock, Rod Crew, Ricky Henderson, Craig Biggio, A-Rod, Dave Winfield, Tony Gwynn, Robin Yount, Paul Wayner, George Brett, Cal Ripken, Napoleon Lajway, Eddie Murray, Willie Mays, Eddie Collins, Paul Molitor, Carl Yastrzemski, Honus Wagner, Cap Anson, Derek Jeter, Tris Speaker, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, Ty Cobb, and Pete Rose. Now, I'm sure there are people who can tell me why some of those players are overrated. I know some people can make the statistical case that someone like Reigns is a superior offensive player to Brock and to Tony Gwynn. I've heard those arguments. I've seen those arguments. They're very compelling about Brock. But that is not, it, you know, we don't live in a binary world. It's not like, well, who's good, Reigns or Brock? They're both great. You can make the case that Reigns was a more uh, complete offensive player than Lou Brock, but they'd both be great. You know, sometimes we see people have absurd standards for how we look at our sports figures. I actually heard someone the other day, I'll talk about this another day, I heard the other day talking about how, you know, if LeBron James and Kobe Bryant were less selfish, they'd have more success in their careers. And I said, didn't, isn't LeBron James about to go to his sixth straight NBA finals? Hasn't he won two? Didn't Kobe Bryant, what are you talking about? Well, you know, but they could have had more. Jesus. And the people who elevate reigns sometimes do so at the expense of Brock, and it's not either or. They're both great players. If you want to say reigns is a superior player, or true, truer to the point, belongs in the Hall of Fame because he's at the very least Lou Brock's equal, that I'll listen to. I think the two most, uh, when you think about the greatest offensive players of all time, two players who will instantly come up in any conversation, or should, would be Ted Williams and Barry Bonds, and neither one of them are listed on this list. I I got it. I understand. But being part of the 3000 Hit Club is still an elite group. Everyone I named there, I think you would want to have on your team in this way, shape, or another. So Ichiro's going to do it. He's going to get for it. In fact, the way he's playing this year, I think he's going to finish the season with 100 hits. I think his days of getting 200 hits left and right every single year, those are obviously over. And the days of Ichiro Suzuki being the type of player who plays, you know, he used to play 162 games a year, but, you know, he's in his mid-40s right now. But that being said, I think he's going to be good for 100 hits this year. If he finishes this season with 100 hits, that would make him, that would give him a total of 3,035 hits. And that puts him ahead of Lou Brock. He would leap right now. He's uh, behind Sam Crawford. He would leapfrog Sam Crawford, Sam Rice. Man, the two Sams finished just shy of 3,000. Uh, Roberto Clemente, Al Kaline, Wade Boggs, Rafi Palmero, and Lou Brock. And he would be just behind Rod Carew. He would be 25th place all time. 25th place all time. And starting his career in the majors at age 27, remember. He wasn't a 20-year-old kid. He was an established star in the Japanese league. As I said, he finished his Japanese uh, career with 1,278 hits. 
he started here at age 27. Imagine if he was hitting the way he was if he arrived at age 22 or 23. You could easily add another 800 hits to his total right now. But he didn't. He didn't. By the way, another thing I want to just point out in this BaseballReference.com page, they have like the players' nicknames, and they have Ichiro's nickname as Wizard. Now, I've been following Ichiro's career pretty closely. He's one of my favorite players. I just love watching him play. I have never heard anyone refer to him as Wizard. If you have referred to him as Wizard or have heard anyone else refer to him as Wizard, please send me a t- uh, tweet at Sully Baseball and let me know. But I was thinking about this. Remember Julio Franco? Julio Franco, who had the single most bananas uh, batting stance you ever saw. Garbrinest, the batting stance guy, loved to talk about that that bat wrapped around his head and everything. Well, Julio Franco, for like Ichiro Suzuki, was a former batting champion, was someone who got tons of hits, and for a period of time was uh, one of the elite offensive players just in terms of you know, getting hits. He had speed. He had some pop. And, you know, put him in the right spot in the order, was a good run producer and everything like that. You know, he didn't walk much, but he hit for a high average, and got a decent OPS along the way. And he he lost a season in 1995, you know, at the end of the strike in 94. He was on the White Sox team that looked like they were, may have gone on to the World Series that year. And during the middle of the strike, he played 1995 in Japan. He came back, uh, played for the Indians, and then he was out of baseball except for one game with Tampa for a few years and then resurrected his career with Atlanta in the 2000s in his 40s where he was basically a you know a, the go-to pinch hitter and he finished he played with the Mets in the postseason he finished with the Braves a handful of games with the Braves at age 48 I look at each still in great shape Maybe he isn't as fast as he used to be, stealing 50-some-odd bases or whatever. But could still beat out the grounder, can still slap the ball in the right place, and still in terrific shape at age 42. He'll be 43 in October, where I doubt the Marlins will be playing. But he's with the Marlins. He could be the type of person who latches on to teams as a pinch hitter extraordinaire and a part-time player. And if he did that, he could be he could get you know, I'm looking at um Julio Franco and some of his totals that he had. Let's say he did that and sort of jumped from team to team, passing the three thousand hit mark this year, finishing the season with as I said, if he with a hundred hits, he'd be at three thousand thirty-five. I'm rounding some of these numbers. Let's say he'd be good for 65 to 80 hits a year as a part-time player. Let's even What I'm going to do, I'm just going to take the low scale at 65. And he does that in 2017. If he does that, he would have 3,100 hits. Passing Rod Carew, passing Ricky Henderson, Craig Biggio, and A-Rod's current spot. And he'd be 21 uh, on the list, age 43. It's not absurd to be a 43-year-old pinch hitter. All right, let's take it another year. 44. 
Again, we'll take the low scale, 65. He would finish that year with 3,165 hits. He would pass A-Rod's spot, and inevitably where A-Rod would be, because he's going to retire. Winfield, Gwynn, Robin Yount, Paul Wehner, George Brett. He's at 16th place. Now let's keep going, 45. Because Julio Franco played till he was 48. Let's go to 45. 65 hits. He would pass Ripken for 11th place. Okay, let's get absurd and have him go to 2020. So that way he could say he played 20 years in the major leagues. He played 20 years in the major leagues. That would be his 20th season, 2020. Uh, and he would be, how the hell old? He'd be 46 years old. Okay, we're kind of pushing it here. Passing Napoleon Lajaway, Eddie Murray, and Willie Mays. But no, he still wouldn't have matched Julio Franco's age. So let's give it, let's push it a little bit further. So let's want to try to match Julio Franco, play until he's 48, keeps up at that pace. By 2021, he passes Yaz and Honus Wagner for eighth place. By 2022, at age 48, he's at 3,490 hits, and he passes Cap Anson and Derek Jeter for sixth place. And if you're only 25 hits away from passing, from well, 10 hits away from Jordan, the 3,500-hit club, and just 25 hits away from passing Tris Speak for fifth time, then you, want, you might as well play at age 49. And try to get those extra 25 hits. And if that's the case, screw it. I played a 50. Okay, we're, we're getting absurd here. You know, but you would take that if he added a few years. Let's just say two or three years as that kind of pinch hitter extraordinaire. And would get him to the 3,200 clip. As I said, passing Ripken, Brett, Robin Yount, and that crew. And then you would add on psychologically, not officially, but psychologically add on the 1,278 as one of the great what-ifs that could this have been the guy to pass Pete Rose as the all-time hit leader. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't that really screw things up for Pete? Wouldn't that, having the all-time hit leader be, no, it's not Pete anymore, it's Ichiro. Pete Rose is number two. That probably would have happened. That probably would have happened if Ichiro came in in his early 20s, added, you know, you know if he added, uh, uh, let's say, four seasons of 200 hits, then he would already, he would be at, you know, 30, he'd be at 3,700 hits now. You know, he would be fourth place, only behind Aaron Cobb and, and Rose at this point. At that point, you'd be gunning for Rose. That's what, we, that's what we missed out. But either way, you know, I like the idea of Ichiro hanging around. I like the idea of him compiling those stats and climbing up the ladder. Because I think, not just for the ceremonial aspect, I think he'd be productive. If you're a contending team and you can say, do you know what? We need a hit here. We need someone to, we, we need to keep this rally going. Let's get Ichiro, to, you know, or we need something to spark. You know, we're, we're down by a run. You know, the pitcher spot coming up or the light hitting second baseman coming up. Let's get Ichiro up there and start something. Can't do it every day, but maybe he could spark it. Maybe he could be someone off the bench. Maybe he could be like Julio Franco, who became a very productive player in a part-time basis for the Atlanta Braves during their postseason trips 
in 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, and 2005, and was a productive player on the Mets in 2006 as a part-time player. You can do that and have him climb up the list. Or he can just be a badass and retire once he gets 3,000, kind of like Bernie Mac and Mr. 3,000. But I don't see that with Ichiro. I think he could, and maybe, just maybe, if he sort of becomes that mercenary to go from team to team, maybe somewhere along the way, Ichiro picks up that elusive World Series ring. 3,000 hits is a strange thing. It's a strange club. And as I said before, you could add to its value or you may detract from it. But it's certainly a unique club and it's certainly an elite club. You know, I was thinking about two players who finished. You know, uh, Sam Crawford and Sam Rice fell just short of 3,000 hits. Um, I was thinking of Al Oliver who I'm trying to get on the show. He finished his career with 2,743 hits. It's 257 hits shy. Now, when Al Oliver played his final season, he was still a productive player in 1985 for the Toronto Blue Jays. But collusion hit, and he became a free agent, and this was the era where no one signed free agents. You didn't want to spend money. That was the way they were kind of artificially lower the, uh, you know, the the salaries by colluding. And so Al Oliver, even though he was still a productive player, was out of a job and eventually never never got back in. Now, it is reasonable to think that he could have had three more decent seasons of 85 hits or more, which would have put him at 3,000. And then we'd be talking about Al Oliver not as a good player who had a really good career and a couple of batting titles along the way, but as a Hall of Famer. On the other end of the spectrum, there is Harold Baines, who played, you know, who slogged his way to 2,866 hits until he, by the end of his career, he just was no longer a productive player. He just was no longer a major leaguer. He couldn't even, even as a part-time DH, he was no longer productive. I mean, that was... The the lemon was squeezed to the last drop with Harold Baines, and he finished his career 134 hits shy of 3,000. Now, when you stop and think about that, Harold Baines played for 22 years, and some of them were shortened season, you know, based upon injuries and everything. But for 22 years, imagine if he averaged just seven more hits a year, seven more hits a year. You know, a bloop that is caught gets past him. Uh, you know, a grounder, a nice stop, you know, gets past the infield. Seven more hits a year in each of those years would give him 150 more hits and have him at 3,020 hits and just behind Lou Brock for 26th place all time. And all of a sudden we go from Harold Baines being beloved White Sox to Hall of Famer and Immortal. That's the difference. But I'd like to see Ichiro be that player. I'd like to see Ichiro be the player. I don't mind if he hangs around. I really, really don't. That's not always a bad thing to hang around. It's not always something to look down upon, to compile numbers, because Ichiro is still a productive player. He's still a major leaguer. He's not a superstar or MVP. But if he could hang around and move his way up that list... 
Do you know what? There are worse things to see in baseball. For example, the Marlins uniforms. Get out of the Marlins. Come on, contender. Pick up Ichiro. I want to see Ichiro in a few World Series. Holy Toledo. Well, go to sullybaseball.wordpress.com. Go to MLB Reports to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. You can follow me on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. You can follow me on Facebook, on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Don't call me Ichiro. No one calls me wizard. And you can call me Sully. <laughs>